We'll get to my beginning. There's a, there's a jumping off point into this message, but I want to set the stage just a little bit. If you could imagine just for a second, I, I want us to think about all the things that we do. I, I showed that clip, and it was supposed to be without context. In fact, it says in my notes, Stephen Ewen clip, no context. What that means is it speaks for itself. But I wanted to share, and I wasn't going to, I now want to share that if you had seen that clip online, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or wherever you might see it, if you had seen that clip and read some of the comments, some of the comments would be what you would expect. Oh, what an amazing video. What an incredible performance. What a beautiful song. But a lot of the uh, the comments said this, that's what Christians do. They create these emotional scenes and they create this space where you get all upset and you get all deeply crying and, and you're, you're all emotional and then you make decisions from emotion as if this is some type of a bad thing. But they say, so don't get sucked into their trap. And that was the comments. And, and it wasn't just a few, it was a bunch. I watched the video I listened to the comments. I considered what was being said. I consider that nearly everything that happens in the world relative to human beings has something to do with how we feel. If you watch any advertising, if you watch any religious reality, if you watch any type of sporting event, if you watch most anything going on around you, there is emotion involved. Someone said to me this morning, referencing someone up on stage, see how happy and smiley his face is? That's an emotion. When we talk to one another, we don't come to each other typically with what's called in the psychological world a flat affect, meaning we don't come, hello, my name is Bob. Now, we have some friends and people we know that do that, but, <laughs> but generally we're, we're engaging. We're emotional beings. We are spiritual. I want to consider these interesting thoughts from a modern Hebrew. His name was Dr. Albert Einstein. Einstein once said, everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to that of man, and one in the face of which we, with our modest powers, must feel humble. I don't know how you read quotes, and I put that up on the screen, it should be. That first line is interesting, coming from Dr. Einstein. Notice what it says. Everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science, as if his hearers, many of whom would have been what we might consider the stereotypical atheistic scientist, would have taken pause and be like, what? And he basically, I see him Standing, I don't know Dr. Einstein, he died decades ago and I never knew him and couldn't have known him even though I'm old. He, he was basically saying to the other scientists, if you're seriously pursuing science, you can't ignore the fact of the spiritual. And that was Einstein that said that. I imagine a bunch of his buddies were like, well, I'm a serious pursuer of science and I ignore the spiritual and he would say, well, you're stupid. But he would have said it more smartly. The ancient Hebrews didn't have a word for spirituality or spiritual. I, 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 some of this stuff is nerdy for me, but I want that to sink in. The ancient Jews, 
the ancient Hebrews, the folks that wrote the Bible that we read in the Old Testament, that whole section written in Hebrew, they did not have a word for spiritual or spirituality. They had words for spirit, for breath, for life, but nothing for spiritual or spirituality. See, on the surface, this seems really weird to me. I think most consider the, the Jews to be highly spiritual people. Their history is rife with spiritual interactions with the one true God. Their laws, their customs, their social structures, their government, it's all based on this deeply held spiritual conviction that there is one God. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 7, Hebrews are given a very specific set of instructions about sharing spiritual truths with their kids. It says this, it should be up on the screen. Teach them to your children and talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's kind of a poetic way of saying all the time. So here's what we have. You got Facebook feeds, you got Instagram, you got TikTok, praise Jesus for TikTok. If you don't like TikTok, move to Montana. They just banned it. You've got all these different things. You've got diets. You've got muscle building programs. Do these four things. I, I love the ones that are out now. You can lose weight and gain muscle without exercising. <laughs> I don't know what you're even talking about, but, but we build up all these things. We have all this stuff for our mind. Get your mind right. Think better. Get, emotion, get, get better understandings of the world around you. Make sure that you know the things that you need to know. All this mind in, in, in embellishments and increasings of the things that we know and do. So we have all these things for our physical body and all these things for our brains. And you hardly ever see anything for the spirit. You know, you see it now and again. You know, buy this little bowl and roll this little metal thing around and it makes a sound and you can go, mmm, and you can get spiritually calm. I, okay. Most of it is like Woody Harrelson's brother, Brett. Anybody seen those commercials yet? I maybe watch too much TV. So Woody Harrelson's brother, Brett, I don't endorse this, by the way, has a new product called Harrelson's Own. If you don't know who Woody, Woody Harrelson is, he was in a movie called White Men Can't Jump. He went to Hanover, Hanover College down in southern Indiana. He's a pretty famous guy. He was in Cheers. He was the bartender in Cheers. Anyway, he's also famously known for smoking a lot of marijuana. And so his brother is cashing in on his name and calling it Harrelson's Own. And they have this little spray tube of CBD something or other. And it is a hilarious commercial. So they have these people and their lives are a mess. Everything's going crazy around them. And they're like, get Harrelson's Own. And then everything calms down. <laughs> it's just bizarre. We are one-third, if you look at a psychological construct, we are one-third spirit, and yet most of what we do in life deals with our physical selves and our mental selves. We ignore the spiritual like it's some type of a, of a plague, something we're embarrassed about, something that we don't want to talk about. So the Hebrews didn't even have a word for spiritual or spirit, spirituality. Why? Whenever you find something weird, you need to ask why. So you've got this whole developed language, the Hebrew language, complicated, profound, deep. 
And there's no word for spirituality. There's a simple reason why. You didn't have to tell the ancient Hebrews about spirituality because they understood that everything is spiritual. I have some news for some of you. You may not know this. I don't know if you know this or not. Okay, so Walt Disney froze his brain apparently, and it's apparently still in some jar somewhere in a freezer. When you die, you're gone. I like what Dave said in the communion. He talked about the attack on Pearl Harbor. It was completely out of the blue. Completely. Never in a million years did we imagine. I don't think in any of the rooms of the Pentagon or any secret military, did they ever think that anyone could reach us? And those some, I didn't, I stopped counting, but it was well over, close to 3,000 people. They died. The physical, their diets, their weight training programs, their exercise regimens, they're going on walks, they're going on runs, they're playing sports. It's all meaningless at that point. The mental, the things that they know, all the knowledge they had accrued, everything they had learned, all the pursuits they had in their brains, it's all gone. It doesn't mean anything. The only thing that's left, folks, when, we're, when we go is our spirit. We spend no time on it. We come on Sunday mornings, we might go to a small group, and then the other rest of the 168 hours that we spend each week, we just don't. I don't. It's kind of crazy. Pastor Jeff mentioned this last week, and I want to mention it this morning because I want you to understand what I'm saying. I am not some nerdy Bible guy coming here to tell you that you need to be a nerdy Bible guy like me. Fine if you want to be, fine if you don't want to be. But here's what you have to understand. The messages that are preached around the world at this time every week are first and foremost for the preacher. Messages... This message is first for me. I have to hear what God is saying. Let's pray today and ask God to challenge us. Father, I thank you for the ways that you have made us. I thank you that you have built us a particular way, and I thank you you've given us an eternal component. I pray in Jesus' name right now that we can understand the depths and the breadth and the height and all the amazing mysteries of what it means to be spiritual beings, Lord. Impress upon us the need to grow in you, to understand the truths that you have given us, and most importantly, to grasp the salvation that comes only through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. So that's your setup. That's where we start. And so now we're going to jump off into a, a short trip through history, just real short, specifically the history of religion. I think it's important to avoid several mistakes, but one big mistake is this. It's believing that somehow our ancestors were dumb. We, we have this real attitude because we got all this technology, because we can pull our phone out and I can tell you anything in 2.3 seconds, and we think we're super smart. We think we figured it out. If we figured it out, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today in the world. Agreed? So let's just agree that we haven't figured it out, that we are no smarter than our ancestors were four and five, six thousand years ago. If we can set that and make that a truth, we'll consider it this way. Let's say that we use some type of a time machine, because I'm sure one exists, and I'm a Marvel guy. So we bring forward Moses, who is it? Moses, Abraham, and Joshua. 
So we bring those three guys and we plop them in right here. And I assign them to Dave and to Tom and Mike and a few guys. Hey, you know, these are your guys. They could come forward in time. And after the shock wore off, they would be able to learn, to assimilate, to take advantage of the amazing technology. They would be blown away, but they would be able to survive. Now, if I took a couple of you folks, particularly maybe see the young folks in the front row, or some of the young folks back there, and we took you and we transported you back to Abraham's time and we dropped you off. You're dead. <laughs> you will not survive. The only hope that you have is the, the Hebraic code, the Jewish laws that said they were to treat the foreigner politely. And so they might take mercy and, and take pity on you and show mercy and, and feed you. But in general, if you were left to your own devices with all of your technology and all of your brains and all of your smartness, you would be dead. When it came to religion in the ancient times, there was no shortage of opportunities, no shortage of options. It wasn't like there were three religions. It was bunches. Every people group had some different take. The ancient Native American folks who populated this area had a different take. Those in the, in the Middle East had a different take. And they all had this way to see the world, but they all had one thing in common. We have no record of anything in the realm of atheistic prior to 1570. Think about that for a minute. This concept of there is no God, this concept of atheism is relatively new on the human scale. We have no record that any of the ancients ever did anything but just understand that we are spiritual, that the world is spiritual, that God is spiritual, a God or gods or something controls all of this stuff. Now, we chalk it up to them as being unscientific. We say they were dumb. They were, they were ignorant. They were, un, they were not evolved. They were uninformed. And that's why they had these stupid ideas. But did they really? Can you explain to me why I feel a certain way about a certain thing? Can you explain to me why when I'm really mad and angry and frustrated, I can't treat my wife properly, but when my dog comes home and I kick him across the room, he still comes and licks me? One of us is spiritual and the other isn't. The reality is that the ideas, the concepts surrounding religion they, they, they are inherent and baked into us as humans. The, the Jews said it this way. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 4, and, and the Jews were, they were unique amongst their peers. They were one God followers. They believed in the one true God, Father and Creator of all. They said this. They said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This approach stood in stark contrast to the polytheism that surrounded them. They believed there was one God and Creator of all. They believed that religion and spirituality and spiritual topics were not something to be avoided but to be embraced and discussed and thought about and talked about. One of my favorite scenes in all of human history, all of human history, and I've read a lot of it but not all of it, but one of my favorite scenes is Paul at a place called the Areopagus. And to take this, make it more personal for us, the Areopagus, also known as Mars Hill, was basically the town center, like the courthouse in downtown Franklin. So you can picture you're sitting at Court Street Cafe or sitting at Benjamin's or maybe you're just walking around the courthouse. You're sitting on one of the benches next to the Jehovah's Witnesses or something. And in this place 
a lot of things happen. Laws happen. There are legal rulings. Voting happens in this place. And so we make choices for elections. Discussions happen. Decisions about how the town is going to be run happen right in this place. Well, that's the Areopagus. The Areopagus was the same thing. And in that place, everything happened. They talked about business deals. They talked about religion. They talked about spirituality. They had guys who were paid to sit around the town square. I don't know how I get this gig, but I want it. They, had, they, were, they were paid to sit there and just talk about religion and spiritual things. That was their job. I'm like, how do I get that job? So they just sat around, and in this, the Apostle Paul walks in, and he says, Men of Athens, I can see by all accounts that you are very spiritual people. I can see that you have many gods and their icons surround us here at the Areopagus, and I can see you even have an, a, an idol to the unknown God. I am here today to tell you who that unknown God is, God the Father, creator of all. This is the way the ancients behaved. They talked about spiritual things. They dove into the depths of what it meant to be spiritual beings. You fast forward to today. Lots of religious history between then and now, but there's a lot of similarity between then and now. We reach a point where we become enlightened and we become smarter. It's just not true, but that's what we tell ourselves. And now, the way our culture is structured today is completely different than the way they structure. We compartmentalize. Oh, you're going to school today, kids? Okay, don't talk about anything spiritual. In fact, cuss and carry on and act like a fool and don't let anybody know you follow Jesus. That's, that, you're done. Your social, your social life's done. Nobody will like you. You will be made fun of. So at school, don't talk about And they'll even, I have kids that even get on their little soapbox. The separation of church and state means nothing about not talking about religion in school, but okay, go ahead and tell me what you want to tell me. Years ago, I used to regularly be invited. I'm not anymore. It's not at different time reasons. And I would be invited to history classes at the different schools where I was pastoring in these towns. And in these towns, I'd be invited to history classes, usually by a Christian teacher. And my job was to teach the history of religion, particularly that of the Christian faith. And I would talk about the big three, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And then in this process of teaching history, and every time, every class, every time, Hand goes up. Mr. McFadden, yes? What's the difference? What's the difference? I'm glad you asked, son. Christianity is the only religion to have the audacity, the sheer just brazenness to say simply, there is one way to God, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in chapter... 14 of the book of John, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. He's speaking to spiritual beings about spiritual things in a spiritual time, and he's giving them a very direct and specific roadmap. In case you need to know what the Greek words for no one means, you've heard me say these things before, but it just means no one. I didn't set it up, folks. God did. But this is the way that we we exist today as we compartmentalize at work at our family gatherings often, depending on if your family's Christian or mixed or whatever. The rule of the land is this. You don't talk about politics and religion in polite company. You ever heard that? Some of the older folks are nodding their heads. Some of the younger folks are like, what? You know, we'll talk about it now. 
But in general, our history, especially American history, is you don't talk about politics and religion in polite company. Because why? Somebody wants to say it. It starts fights. It starts fights. Someone's going to disagree. Someone's going to argue. Someone's going to get mad. Uncle Don has an opinion. Aunt Martha has, I don't know if Uncle Don's here, I'm sorry. <laughs> but somebody has an opinion that's different than yours, and then this happens and that happens, and then here we go. And then we start to realize that we just can't have this conversation. We don't do it at our jobs because, well, we don't want to get fired. We don't do it with our non-church friends because we don't want to offend them. We don't do it around our non-church family members because, well, we love them and our family. And this is all true stuff, but we are spiritual beings. If we're spiritual beings, how do we handle this? Well, in today's new technology, we take pot shots. It's fun stuff. We get on our Twitter and our Instagram and our TikTok and our YouTube and our whatever else, and we just lob grenades at the people we don't like. It's really Jesus-like, very Jesus-affirming. You suck in your concepts. Oh, thank you, and I love Jesus. You're a terrible thinker. How could you ever say something like that? And I love Jesus. And we just bomb people. It is just, it, it's just ridiculous. So our new Areopagus is this ether called the internet. But the difference is nobody gets to face one another. Unless you maybe accidentally run into someone walking through town, you can sit there and fire stuff all day and you never meet that other person. And that's a lot easier to talk about politics and religion when you're not face-to-face -face with somebody. There was a time when people would agree to disagree, when people would have genuine discourse. You're a Christian? That's interesting. Tell me what it means to you to be a Christian. Well, it means that I follow Jesus. I take care of widows and orphans in their distress. I feed the hungry and the poor. I tell people about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but by him. I tell people there is one God above all who is the Father, and he is imminent, uh, existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we have this discussion, and the friend says back, he said, well, I don't know if I accept this or that or the other, but I'm more interested in hearing more about this. And these were conversations that for a lot of our history happened. And it was polite, and it was kind, and people agreed to disagree. I have lunch, had lunch on a regular basis, semi-regular basis for a while. It hadn't happened since COVID. And in these luncheons, there was, it's going to sound like I'm starting a joke, but I'm not. There was a priest, a rabbi, and, it, and there was a Muslim, and then there was a Catholic, and there was me, and a religious professor, six people. And we would go to Shapiro's. I mostly kept my mouth shut mostly because these guys were older than me and absolutely brilliant. Brilliant people. Amazing. The rabbi was probably pushing 90. The, the priest was in his late 70s. Brilliant men who had thought about more than I could ever imagine, had done more good in the world than I could ever hope to do, had been in more important scenarios than I could ever dream to be in. And I just sat and listened to these people. And they would talk and they would disagree, sometimes vehemently, but they would never, never, never attack one another. And all of them understood one thing. Everything is spiritual and everything should be spiritual. Guys, you're here today for some reason, whether you're here for a graduation or because for a motorcycle group or you're here because you have friends and family or because you wanted to hear something from God. You're here today for a reason. You need to understand that a huge point, forget the huge, 
Everything you are is spiritual. Your muscles mean nothing. Your brain ultimately is going to shut down and stop working. Everything about you that goes on to an eternity is spiritual. And we spend this much time on it. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of troubling. It's kind of difficult to get our minds around. I don't understand this thing. So God made this construction. I'm going to return to Einstein. This is kind of a twisted quote, but I, I like what he says, and I want to break it down a little bit. He said, The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Let me translate. Maybe you don't need it, but let me translate Einstein. He says the intuitive mind, that's the spiritual, is a sacred gift, Einstein acknowledging there is a God. And he said that the, the rational mind, this smartness that we have for being scientific people, that's the servant. Our brains are supposed to serve our spirits. That's not how we behave. We mostly ignore our spirits, but if we do acknowledge our spirits, we make them be uh, uh, obedient to our brains. Consider this for a second. I'm going to apologize. I write five pages because that's your time, and then I talk about other things. So, 1989, Mount Vernon, Illinois. Anybody been there? Anyone? Mount Vernon, neat little town. It's near Rind Lake Community College. Carbondale, I think, is another town over there. Mount Vernon, Illinois. There's a lady, her name is June Hunt. Lady's about this tall. And her, her, her husband's name was Dick, and he was about this tall. He owned a construction company. So I met Dick and June Hunt, and they invited me to dinner all the time. I was ministering over there. I was a pastor. And, and we would get together. One day, June came up to me and said, Bob, God has a message for you. Now, that's a scary thing for a pastor. It's a scary thing for any human being. When someone comes up to you and says, God has a message for you, you need to empty your bank account and put it in mine. No? Okay, well, just checking in case someone else had the same message on the other end. But anyway, so she's like, Bob, God, had, and I had known them for a little bit of time, and I trusted them. I said, well, June, tell me, what, what's the message? I'm 20 years old. I want to know what's up. And she said, God says that you need to rebuke your intellect. Huh. Okay, pass the potatoes. I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm not sure that's smart because my rational brain controls my spiritual brain, right? Because my rational mind is what's going to live for eternity. Because the things that I think I know are we're going to, I'm going to carry on with me after I die, right? Well, obviously not. What did June Hunt know that my snot-nosed 20-year-old self didn't? She knew the truth. So she said, now, you need to rebuke your intellect, and I'm, I'm not having it. I'm smart. Go to college. I was an idiot. I'm the same guy that fell for the dirt and worms thing on the table. Remember that? You made the Oreo pudding and have a plant in it, and she stuck her fork in there and started eating. I was like, what are you doing? That's how brilliant I was, thinking she's eating potting soil while we're talking. She put in a, a VCR. Okay, kids, there's a thing called VCR. It's a VHS tape. It's about this big. It's got a little tape in it. Okay, anyway. She puts this... VCR tape and the uh, VHS tape in the VCR, and she turns it on. She says, I want to show you something. And I'm seeing this church service, and she's there, and it's several years before, and it's interesting because she walks up 
through the church. I was like, I've never seen June limp. I said, June, you blow your knee out or something? She goes, no. She said, I have one leg that was three and a half inches shorter than the other. Well, it's obviously not now. So what? She goes, watch, dummy. So I watched. Crazy stuff on video. I'm not telling you a story of a story. I'm not telling you a story I don't know. I'm telling you a story I watched on video. These people did not have the technology to edit and cut and create this video. It was grainy. It was not great. It was real. She sat on a little table, and the pastor prayed for her, and I watched her leg lengthen. I'm not, I'm not telling you. I mean, I don't know how. I do know how. It's a miracle. Then she showed me that. Now I'm sure I'm kind of ashen, wondering now if I do need to rebuke my intellect because what I just saw doesn't make sense with what I know. That doesn't happen. You don't sit on a table and pray for somebody and their leg gets longer. If that were the case, I'd have prayed that a long time ago. I'd be 6'10". She takes me to her closet. Her husband's giggling. He was having a great time. He was watching me squirm. He's like, <laughs> this kid's so stupid. Anyway, great guy. He was a great guy. Takes me to her closet, shows me all of her shoes she's had for years. One shoe that's three and a half inch heel to accommodate for the difference. Showed me her pants where the legs were cut shorter. Bunches of pants. And she said, that was all me. This is what God did. God's telling you to rebuke your intellect to understand and see things with spiritual eyes. That has stuck with me for, for all these years. I'm embarrassed to say I don't always follow it. I'm embarrassed to say I rely on my intellect a lot and it gets me into a ton of trouble. I'm embarrassed to say that I have not understood the way I need to, that I'm a spiritual being. And I have lived a very fleshly life that focuses on the physical and the mental and ignores the spiritual. I've done that. I'm embarrassed to say I admit it today, and I think many of you would as well. God wants us to understand that everything is spiritual. Apostle Paul wraps this up. And I can tell you that this was not the verse I had. I'm going to read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read a section. But I ran into a guy this week, and I don't know how to explain it other than everything is spiritual. He was trying to do a new key fob, my uh, brilliant, recently graduated uh, son, who's valedictorian of the class, somehow locked the keys in the car. Um, <laughs> and now he's, he's like, I don't know how it happened. He's right. It's not supposed to happen. The key fob is supposed to stop it from doing it. So we had some kind of a malfunction. So I had this guy come out, and his name is, is Mark, and, 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 and he's got this shirt on for his company, and it says 1 Corinthians 15. And while he's working on unlocking the car, I'm looking up 1 Corinthians 15. The minute I read it, I was like, oh, that's for Sunday. And so I put it into the sermon this week. Here's what it says. Paul writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then He paired to Cephas, who was Peter. And then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That means they died. Then He appeared to James. That's James, the brother of Jesus. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. 
For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. And what did they preach? That we are spiritual beings that we are spiritually separated from our Father in heaven, that that spiritual separation is eternal unless it's fixed, and that it gets fixed in one way through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is what Paul said was of most importance. This is the only thing that I ever teach my kids that will make any difference, and I want to bring all this home now. This past week, my dad and my youngest sister and I were having coffee at a coffee shop in Lawrenceburg, and we were talking. And Dad reminded us of this simple principle, that most of life is caught, not taught. And he was explaining to Melanie and I what we already knew, is that he showed us what to do, and he showed us and showed us and showed us, and he showed us the proper way to live. And if we chose not to do those things, well, they still got done because he just did them. Because if we were too stupid to see it, then, well, maybe we were always lost. But it's true. Most of life is caught, not taught. One of my favorite poems is written by the great American poet Edgar Guest. Listen to this poem and try and get your mind around it. It should be on the screen. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I've tried to make this enough for me. When we see others doing the things that need to be done, we understand that we must follow their example. It goes from the very mundane things like cleaning your room and taking out the trash and doing the dishes and handling your finances well to the more profound things like showing kindness to strangers, not being rude to people, tending to the needs of the hurting and the suffering, and sharing the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus. More is caught than taught. Okay. I don't know what you expected today, but that's the whole payoff. No three points to a better life to God. No, Jesus provided this, that, and the other, and that kind of thing. Those of us who enjoy being followers of Jesus on Sundays and in an occasional small group, but live non-spiritual existences the rest of the week, we're living false lives. We're not acknowledging the truth that everything is spiritual and everything should be spiritual. There cannot be a separation, not by constitution, not by government control, not by any kind of other structure. Everything is spiritual. When you die, that's all that remains. So whether we're at work, at school, hanging with our friends, walking through a mall amid strangers, at a ball game, no matter what we are doing or where we are, we can never get away from this truth that everything is spiritual. To try and do so ignores the very essence and core of who you are. I have many friends that are atheists, and I love them, and we get along famously. I have several atheist friends, and I'm not bragging, but this is what they say. Bob, you're my Christian friend that I like, 
Because you talk to me and you listen to me. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that's what I do. That's what you need to do. That's what we all need to do. I'm not likely to change them from atheism to Christianity or any other faith. But my presence in their life, the presence of the Holy Spirit within me, the spiritual reality that is me may eventually touch the spiritual reality that is them. And then the Holy Spirit of God can do the work that God alone can do and bring them to him. If everything is spiritual, and if everything should be spiritual because that's how God made us, then we followers of Jesus must live the example we were taught by Jesus. And we can even look to the Apostle Paul who said these crazy words, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a hard one for me because I've done so many dumb things, so many non-Christ things, so many non-Jesus things. To say those bold words, follow me as I follow Christ. It's in the Bible. God instructs us to do it. May we be up for it. And now, may you truly know that everything is spiritual. And may you truly believe that everything should be spiritual because that's how God made us. And may God challenge you to live each and every moment of your lives as spiritual beings conveying the gospel of grace and the message of hope that Jesus has instructed us to share. As the band comes up, please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this message that I have to believe and know and trust was for me. That we are spiritual beings, Lord Jesus, and that you have made us this way and you have woven us together. You knit us together in our mother's wombs in some mysterious, miraculous way that we cannot understand. We can look at the world, as Einstein said, and see that something bigger exists and that we are so humbled by that bigness, which is you. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would touch the hearts of someone that we're here to, some people here today, that they might grow deeper in you, they might come to know you for the first time, that this would be revelatory to them, that they are spiritual beings who need spiritual solutions to their problems in life, and those solutions come from you and through you, and that grace and salvation comes from your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his precious name. Amen. Amazing grace How sweet The sin That saved A wretch Like me Oh yeah I want was lost but heaven was blind but now I see Feet.
over here it's graduation time and we got folks from uh northern indiana southern indiana north carolina egypt uh, no one's from egypt i don't think but we do have someone from macedonia right here is uh vanity lias baba and she is macedonian and was born in macedonia and then came to america and we're glad that you're here and uh, she's been here how many years now 70 years about 70 years yes so, and we have the motorcycle group, which Wade is going to come and share, but I'm going to just close this in prayer. We, today, from 2 to 6, if you are not doing anything, please feel free to come back to the church. Uh, Vincent and Van are having their graduation party, and you're all invited. And Chris and I, yes, yes, I'm going to clap for them. Yay. And Mila also graduated, but she's having her own party, I think. She may not be here today. And then uh, I think, Chris, are you and I on the grill? We're doing the grilling? Okay. So still, still come, still come, because the ladies made food, and it'll be good. Um, <laughs> but let me pray to close this, and then Wade's going to come down. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these folks here today. I thank you for the graciousness of your Holy Spirit to be present, to teach and guide and lead us into all things spiritual, that we might live eternally with you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you that through that gift, we can spend our forever with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.